in Thorn Park, which is this little, I guess, area of Orlando. How would you describe it? Yeah, I mean, Thornton Park, the district, there's Thornton Park proper, which is the neighborhood association, and there's Thornton Park district, which is a Main Street district. Right. Um, and I guess I would describe it just as, you know, there's these pods of the city, and it's letting those pods kind of act like a city within a city. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the the city of Orlando helps fund these things also, but mm-hmm. um, we have to raise our own money. We have our own board. Mm-hmm. And it's us trying to figure out number one how to you know basically get that group together and you know as a as a community within a community. Right. So and right. it I mean when we originally joined I mean I was actually with your dad at that time and you know we were we were technically outside of the proper area and they were asking our restaurants at that time to come into mm-hmm. it. And I just thought that there was going to be a much better chance of having a having a larger group to be able to market to get people to that neighborhood mm-hmm. and to have people see what we're doing over there so we ended up agreeing to being you know expanded into and then to be honest it's been one of the most like fulfilling things that I've done in the neighborhood yeah. is it would be a part of that group yeah right um i just kind of have you move the mic closer to your mic. okay i want to I hear your voice okay we all we all, we all do <laughs> um guys Todd Omer in the house with you're on the board of Thornton Park, right? Yeah, just I'm just currently as of September I'm the president of nice. the board. Yeah. No big well, deal. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I I when I originally joined I always thought I wanted to take a you know some part of it. But then now just opening a new restaurant and stuff too, I also don't want to let them down, you know, with right. the amount of time I have. So Yeah. So you're also a serial entrepreneur, serial business owner, and you just opened a new restaurant. Yep. What was that called? Uh, the 808. Yeah, it's a Hawaiian-inspired in the old uh, Dexter space on Washington. Nice. So yeah. why why Hawaiian? You know, it was the weirdest thing. I, um, my new business partner, um, when we started talking during COVID, and, you know, we were just became friends. And next thing you know, we're, you know, discussing maybe possibility of a, doing a business together. And we had this whole idea of like this kind of just casual surf shack. Mm-hmm. You know, COVID was a definite time of casualness. Like we were all living in sweatpants and shorts. Sure. And so like we weren't looking to do anything high end. We were just, um, and then um, when we found the space, um, we got the lease and the address was 808. And we had mm-hmm. already been talking about like the fact that uh, some UCF football players from Hawaii right. and they put the 808 in the back of their helmet. And we were like, oh man, how do we not lean into the Hawaiian right. thing? So exactly. yeah, that's and how it ended up. Like Tiki stuff is big. big. Tiki bars are big. And I'm, big, I'm, yeah. I'm sure you know, right? <laughs> um, so what other business do you own? Yeah, so I actually own a Tiki bar, uh, Aku yeah. Aku, um, which has been there since 2006. Mm-hmm. And then Stardust mm-hmm. Lounge has been there since 2008. Obviously, you know these places very well. <laughs> yeah. Um, so our uh, my father was your business partner back in the day. Um, that a lot I've, of years. Yeah, man. I, I've heard a lot of stories, and some I haven't heard. I, I, I as I've gotten to know you, some of it has come out, and um, it's been really interesting to see you grow and see the businesses grow as well. And I just wanted to bring you in because I thought you had a lot of like really good experience and like yeah, real you. practical. Yes. It's, yeah. it's fun to see you doing this. It's fun to be a part of it. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. So um, I wanted to hear more about leadership in terms of well, the last like two years, right? Like, what that looked like as a as a like manager and leading a team. 
Yeah, it was it was odd. Um, you know, we had our ups and downs. I mean, at the time there, it was actually a good thing because um, um, I don't think it's a secret. As your dad was getting sick, we were um, shutting off some of our other businesses, but kept mm-hmm. the ones that were really solid and been there for a long time. So we kept Stardust and the coup. And I had spent so much time there. Like those were kind of my my babies as you know as a developer um, back in the day and. Um, having my a team of staff that had been with me for a really long time and kind of going through that with them. And, you know, when COVID started and as soon as they shut the bars down, I'm, I mean, I completely melted down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my anxiety was probably about as high as it's ever been, um, where, you know, I would just sit at night and just thinking like, you know, what is the future is like I, at, at this time, I didn't know if my landlord was going to work with me. I knew that, you know, our rent was already high yeah. and we'd been there for so long. So there was no way without, you know, government help, financial help and their help that mm-hmm. we were going to make it through. And, at right. you know, those first few weeks, we had no idea. I mean, right. it would, you know, and then the second part of it is you know, I have this group of people that are all looking at me saying, you know, what does this mean for us? Mm-hmm. And so I would get up every morning and as soon as they started talking about the PPP or any kind of um, help, you know, or even just reaching out to my landlords every morning, that was my first thing. I just dove into, I go, before you start trying to do a puzzle or something to like take your mind off of the craziness mm-hmm. in the world or mm-hmm. watch a movie. I got to spend, you know, three or four hours on. And if I thought every morning, if I get up and do this and that's what I did. And then also leaning on other business owners. I think that the support and that's, you know, where really where Wendy ended up coming in to be my pit partner now mm-hmm. is because we would communicate a lot. Like if she found out something, then um, she would share it with me and vice versa. It's like, a, you know, and that was then all through like Jason Lambert and mm-hmm. Blue and, you know, all these community people that I've, I've met over the years just to be able to lean on them. And, you know, that goes back to what we talked about with the Thornton Park District, like knowing and, you know, being a part of a community and all of us knowing that we're all going through the same thing and kind of helping each other out. Right. And I, I see that Orlando's growth and the way it's developed over the years is kind of reflected in the people that they want to help each other out, that we're all, like, as cliche as it is, in this together, right? And I've seen so many times that business owners have their own communities. It's really a tight-knit kind of, I'll say, group in Thornton Park, too, that, you know, everyone kind of knows each other, everyone's a neighbor, right? Uh, even though you're paying different rents, you're in different buildings, you kind of help each other out. You're driving business, you're, you're driving foot traffic to your business, but that's in turn helping everyone else out. It's not just so isolated. It's a, it's an early lesson to learn if you're, if you're new into like the restaurant and bar business, if, if you think that you, you know, I've got a monopoly because there's nothing else around me that actually can be something that hurts you. Mm -hmm. Um, something that me and your dad learned way early when we did room three, nine, um, on orange Avenue and opening the lodge next door, Room three nines numbers went up like thirty five percent. Right, you know. Right. So having another popular place next door helps, even if it's not yours. I mean, if it's yours, you can kind of manipulate to make sure that you're, you know, hopefully getting a slightly different crowd. Sure. But like going in when we decided on the Dexter space, um, I don't think we would have chose it if um, 
the guys from Cavos weren't next door and our old partners with the lodge um, having Burton's, yeah. you know, knowing that we had two really rock star operators yeah. on either side of us was a, a very big point for us to go in that space. Right. It's, um, it's interesting because you think like, I'm the only one here. I'm the only one on the street, but are you really the destination? You, ha- you have right? to be a pretty, you know, you have to be a pretty monster destination to be able to pull that, you know? Sure, yeah. sure. Because um, I know we also had a place at Cigars of City Walk, or at City Walk, right? Cigars. So even then, you're getting all this foot traffic, but no one's going to come like to a cigar shop out in the middle of nowhere unless they have a destination to go to first, right? 100%, yeah. So, I mean, struggled for the first, you know, I think right after it opened, it not only we didn't have that kind of bar crowd, and it was up 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 top and uh-huh. you know kind of in no man's land and then on top of that then 9-11 happened shortly after that right you know yeah. so it was it was really touch and go there at the beginning of uh, and then you think like you're in city walk you know right. like right. you know okay, and right. but um but really then you know that's kind of the key to business right is seeing an opportunity and and adjusting and that's what we did we adjusted to go after mm-hmm. the hospitality crowd and then the hospitality crowd brought the local crowd. Mm-hmm. So if there was a hard rock show and the locals came out, they came to cigars. I right. Mean, you know? Yeah. Because that was like the, the employee spot. It, 100%. Yeah. yeah. So I thought the early, because I was so young at the beginning years, I didn't even realize like what was happening. Like it, as a kid, when your parents kind of, not like shelter you, protect you, but like everything is fine, especially from parents that are like strong willed, like that, that will make it a, not a facade, but. It kind of protect you from some of the, like the shortcomings, right? What was that like to look at that? I guess the impact of nine eleven, right? Then going to COVID, right? Like, were those similar feelings? So I think the big, you know, the difference is kind of like what you were mentioning about your age at the time, um, and I was also very young. Like, um, I think when I started out at cigars, I was twenty seven. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had just lost my father that same year. Mm. And um, so at 27, coming in there, you know, I, I had like nothing to lose. Where mm-hmm. your dad had built a place out, he owned it at the time. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, an insane build out. It cra- like it, that lease was the biggest, thickest lease I've ever seen in my life still to this <laughs> day. Um, and the risk he was taking and then having 9-11 happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have... I didn't have what I had to lose now in in business because I was just a bar manager at the sure. time. Um, so comparing nine eleven, let's say, to um, the the crash in two thousand eight was probably, uh-huh. um, I would say it's it's comparable to mm-hmm. the COVID. Oh mm-hmm. um, eight was really hard. Um, it was the first time we ever lost a business, mm. um, and then knowing about 08 I think you know and owning a business and and going through that I think that made it didn't make COVID easier I think it made it harder it was like you didn't you couldn't see past how long it was going to take to recover right it wasn't like a fiscal like policy year like year or two right it was even though Unknown. it came back way faster than we all expected, but mm-hmm. going through 08 and knowing it took years to recover mm-hmm. from it and slowly build business back up, it felt like that was going to be that way again. And mm-hmm. so we were going to be dealing with, you know, it wasn't going to be 2022 or 2023. Mm-hmm. But as the ebb and flow of COVID 
was going on in the right. mask wearing, we saw big spikes in business and then we saw drops again right. and then big spikes again. So it wasn't as bad mm-hmm. as, um, as like the long-term loss. Right. Of, yeah. And what I find so interesting is you see people that are successful, that are owners, and you don't really see the struggles in the past that they've had to go, had to go through, right? Same with my dad was him at his mid-40s was in his prime of owning. And I here I am thinking in like, I'm 20, 26 now, thinking I have to be at that prime. Like, I didn't see all the previous, like, I'll say failures, but like learning experiences, right? Yeah. I, I like the term learning experiences better than failures, but you know, the reality is the failures are what really start, you start tweaking out how you run your businesses. You know, mm-hmm. um, the oddest thing is it was just a, I think it was just a food rep at the time was talking when 08 happened. He's like, believe me, you're going to be a better operator at the end of this. And it's true. I mean, you are, you, you run things tighter, you know how to do things differently mm-hmm. and everything can't always go up. You know, there has to be, it has to dip down. And when on those downtimes, you tend to get more educated mm-hmm. than you are in the uptimes for sure. Right. So yeah. I feel like if you, all you know is success, you want to know how to handle failure, right? Yeah, it, it can be. The first failure is always that really one that like, you know, you'll never forget because, mm-hmm. um, and when, when you say failure too, it's like, that's why it's, um, it's probably not a, a fair word because there's a lot of things that can contribute to it. You know, mm-hmm. in 2008, when we lost the beacon, we had to give the keys back. We were trying to make it still work and, you know, get a rent deal. But mm-hmm. everybody was in such a tight bind at that time. Like even the owner of the property couldn't take anything less. So right. we had, we, there was no, there was no choice and uh, what to do. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we had went in a direction with that style and in 08, everything changed and yeah. high end and, you know, champagne toasts were right. not the thing anymore. <laughs> right. And that was, do you think that was your biggest quote learning experience? I would say that was, uh, probably towards the top of the list. Okay. Yeah. It okay. was that. Then, um, we did that cafe and the sports complex. That's right. Um, and that one for me was not so much as whether it was successful or unsuccessful. It was doing something in business that I didn't have a passion for. Hmm. And so food has always been kind of an up and down thing with me. Um, there's obviously the biggest problem with it is the margins are so little. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the same sense, sometimes you, you need that element too. Sure. And this was restaurant only. And what it really came down to is picking a business that you'll get in the trenches for at any time. Mm. And I just didn't have the passion to get in the trenches there. Right. You know, like I didn't, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to cook there. Mm-hmm. Ever since we opened the 808, I food ran, I'll get behind the line. Yeah, I'll do yeah. whatever I need to do. Right. Um, but I'll never do fast food, fast cat, like anything like that again. Sure. Sure. Your dad shortly after was trying to get, um, Dunkin' Donuts going. I don't even remember mm, that. I, d- I remember he talked about like doing a franchise, right? Yeah, he was. I think he had the rights to like all of downtown Orlando before any Dunkin' Donuts were down here. Oh and, boy! Yeah, and he wanted me a part of it, and I was just like, I don't want to be called at five a.m. <laughs> to cook donuts. You know, I will show up at one o'clock in the morning if there's something wrong with the bar, and sure. I'll sling drinks. But that was just, you know, I money yeah. was not important enough to huh. do something 
that was just not fun to do for me. What what is that threshold for you know needing money versus like money isn't the priority or driving factor, right? And money's never really been a driving factor for me. Really? Like yeah. yeah, I mean like of you know like anybody like I want you know I want to be able to have enough to like to travel when I want to travel and um, you know and be able to like if I didn't have to hear about a bill then I'm good. Right. Yeah. yeah. But like, um, to me, the, the entrepreneurship, the creating, like, I mean, opening a place, I could just do that and sell. I, I mm. like, I could definitely get involved in, um, like just helping people in the yeah. future. Um, open, cause it, it is like the creation of it is everything to me so the uh, more like the consulting conceptual part i would love i would love to be a part of that yeah yeah, yeah i yeah. can see that in my future but then again like everybody that opens a bar or restaurant thinks that they know what they're doing and mm. you know there's a lot of successful people out there so consulting isn't really a huge you know part of this business mm. um, and there's people mm-hmm. out there are doing it more on like the food side but my big passion is the creating the brand um, the design and, right. and then getting it open. Yeah. So was that always your belief of like money isn't really important or did, was there a change that happened? Uh, there was a change. Yeah, not, not seeing like all I believe is money, right? Like all I need is that, but I feel like there's a certain, at least for myself, there's a th- certain threshold of like establishing myself and like wanting to get a certain amount of like funding to be independent, right? <laughs> to yeah. move forward yep. versus, um, you know, it not being an object anymore. Yeah. Um, I guess for me, it was it was probably in like right oh eight oh nine when the economy crashed. Like mm-hmm. I kind of made a shift even from who I I was, and um, I you know I used to worry about like wearing you know dress shoes, button up shirts, sure. and I just realized like you know what I'm just a bar guy. You know I'm you know this is what I do, mm-hmm. and I just flipped and I went from that to vans and a t-shirt and yeah. that's when I started getting tattoos and it's like this is good this is my life this is who I am and if people don't yeah. like that part of it I'm not going to try to fake my way through yeah. it and that was where it was just like I just needed to kind of make enough money to be comfortable and um and I hope that people believe in me because all these things take investors you know like mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a I've never been to the point where I could just dump all my own cash into it Mm -hmm. so like as long as like my reputation means more to me than cash you know yeah yeah 100 i i've only known you with tattoos or like i only remember Uh, remember you with tattoos i don't remember like that change oh that's interesting i didn't really start till i was 40 really yeah okay 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 Uh, they over 20 you look (laughs) (laughs) but um i was just uh curious of how that affected you or like if that ever changed in your life but i also agree like how people will treat you. And I, I say it's more important than, you know, who's going to show up to your wedding is um, less important than who's going to show up to your funeral. Yeah. Right. Great point. Yeah. That's what I think. And I think it's just really interesting to hear those leadership styles kind of evolve over to those like learned experiences too. But also um, how you mentioned that you lost your dad at 27. We're going like, we've gone through similar, similar experiences. How did that affect you going forward? It was actually quite a, a big change in my life. Uh, my mom had a really tough time through that, obviously. Um, and my parents were in the restaurant business also. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, losing my dad, who was um, kind of the, you know, the 
they were kind of a mutual face, but my dad was really known for his cooking. He was the yeah. person that put the food out. So, you know, she lost the restaurant after that and then went just through some, some tough times. So, um, after that happened, it was always one of those things where me and my brother always could call and I like count on them. If it had to be financially, mm -hmm. it wasn't a lot financially, but they were just there. And, and when he passed, it was like this wiping this uh, slate clean as far right. as, okay, I'm on my own own. Right. You know, like this is, I got to do this. Like there's no phone call I can make anymore. Yeah. Um, so th that was a big change with me because I had I had owned a place at 25 is kind of um, stumbled into it. Mm -hmm. But the but how I ran that business at 25 versus how I am now is like, I mean, I was foolish. I was young, yeah. you know what I mean? But it was also, I think I was slightly foolish because I didn't think, I thought I had someone that was going to catch me. Got it. And so then like um, when I met your dad and then we started talking about a stuff, um, you know, this is roughly five years later, mm -hmm. starting another business, I completely was a different person as yeah. far as that um, goes. And also there was the, I really wasn't successful with that first business that I did. Um, and then when like losing your dad, who you looked up to, who also was an entrepreneur, he sure. owned several restaurants through his career. Um, there was the, I got to prove that I can do this. It was mm -hmm. partly to myself, but also partly to kind of prove to this person that doesn't even even there anymore yeah you know what i mean like so you're and then i think that's also like this major drive for me to do another one and do it better and do sure. it better you yeah, know yeah. um and the problem is i'm never going to get what out of my dad's but i mean out of business there's a lot of things i get out of it but mm -hmm. out of what i was hoping to get out of my dad i'll never get it mm -hmm. i'll never get that congratulations or you did great you know what i mean yeah, and, man. i mean so you know you're a similar age and yeah you're you know starting up your own stuff too and mm -hmm. i i hope that's not a sticky subject for you um but it, it was for me yeah, yeah man no it's uh i'm still like not expecting myself to get over it completely right um in two years only right yeah and um yeah not hearing that congratulations not hearing that good job from someone that i looked up to for so long has been a real big change for me and it's been real interesting that after my dad passed this group of men that's like come into my life of I say like peer, also older than me, um, including yourself, that was more involved, which is interesting that like he left and now I have this network that mm -hmm. came into my life. And I, I think that's more divine like intervention than anything of how it, the universe works. Because now I have guys to reflect on to bring things to, to get more, I guess, more experience and um, I guess wisdom from them. So for that, I'm grateful. But also, it's been a real, real big change of no. I don't, there's no like a fallback point because right. I'm on my own. I'm still like with my mom right now because of that circumstance. Like she feels safe because I'm here. I want to move out, and there's also like this notion of like want her to be safe. Mm -hmm. Also, not paying rent for this podcast studio, which is real <laughs> nice. But um, gotta start somewhere, right? So that those are my. I mean, those are my like lingering thoughts. Um, but how moving forward from that point, like at 27, right? Well, what advice would you give your younger self for owning or like managing, right? Yeah. Um, 
That's a great question. Um, if I could go back, I probably would definitely say be careful of how much you take on. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think that there was some times where it was not good for business as far as, um, you know, taking on more and more and more. Mm -hmm. um, even though it's like, it's it's almost hard to say no sometimes, you know? It's like, it's you, you have such a drive to create and and be a part of the business. And like I said, because financially, it was never like, I'm gonna be rich if I do mm -hmm. this. It was just like, it was this drive that, oh man, we can create this thing that people are gonna love. Yeah. I mean, the, the highest points in my life are, uh, outside of family, obviously, sure. and stuff like that, sure. are in the bar or the restaurant when it's packed. And you, uh, I remember the, f it, it's kind of like a drug I did a long time ago. My first <laughs> bar was in Lake Buena Vista. It was this place called Johnny's. Mm -hmm. It's 5,000 square feet, had a elevated DJ booth. And I remember standing behind the DJ and looking out to this just packed bar and thinking, I did this. Right, like, this you know it. what I mean? Like, I'm a part of this. <laughs> right. I helped create this. Right. And all these people are coming. And it's like, I think it's like, you know, as close as I'll ever see to becoming like a rock star. You know sure. what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's, my, it's my mini stadium of right. being able to see that. So mm. I still get that high when I go into Stardust and see it full or, you know, opening the 808, our grand opening and, and the, you know, seeing the days that and people are showing up and ordering food. I remember the first Uber Eats order we got. I was like, <laughs> someone actually wanted to go on right. and picked our restaurant right. and ordered food, you know? Yeah. So um, that kind of thing is always what kind of like keeps me going. And that also can create wanting to do something else and wanting to do more. And right. so, yeah, if I had to go back, I'd probably say just be careful and really think things out before right. you move ahead. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. I don't buy off more that you can chew. Right. Yeah. I, you know, but then sometimes those things that we bit off were the ones that were really were home runs. You know, we, hmm. we did start us dirt right after we opened the beacon, you know? Right. Um, yeah. And, you know, and then in the scheme of things, Stardust powered through the whole economy crash where, you know, the beacon was just the wrong the wrong yeah. uh, venue for this the times. higher end yeah yeah then in stardust what do you think that was more successful in the long run of which ones of so what do you think stardust was more successful oh, than the beacon? um i think that there was some things that happened um when the economy crashed i mean me um besides your dad we had a partner at the time jason lambert mm -hmm. um and both of us decided to go back behind the bar Mm -hmm. And, you know, we had bartended for so long and we knew enough people in the city. So I think that, you know, keeping that personal um, identification to the customers right. was super important. Obviously, that lowered our payroll um, and, you know, we had better control of the costs. So I think that, you know, that was a big thing. Also, um, we were able to, because without having the kitchen costs and that kind of labor, we were able to do some adjustments. We brought Blue in. Um, that's mm -hmm. when we started um, our Peekaboo Burlesque show, which mm -hmm. you know is 13 years running, longest one in Orlando. That's when we started Dirty Bingo. Mm -hmm. I was I googled it at the time that like, no one was doing that, and sure. now you see that everywhere. Also, yeah, yeah. so um, 
you know, we just really dove in. And, and I think, again, that goes back to what I was saying about the cafe. Mm-hmm. It's like I was happy to dive in. You know, right. it's like I, I wanted I wanted to save the business. Sure. I wanted to get in there and get my hands dirty. And that's what we did. And we powered through it. Yeah. yeah. I'm just going to have you move to my a little bit closer. Okay. I, I know it's a little, a little weird. Yeah. It's not quite as normal, right? Um, where, I mean, where did you find your passion for bartending? You know, I was... I'm actually an insanely shy person. Um, no way. Um, crazy. Like I'm super uncomfortable, but there was something about, you know, going from working for my family, mm. moving to Florida, I started serving and I got behind the bar and there was something about that controlled environment for me mm. having, I think the separation of the bar, but also having everything that I needed within an arm's length. Mm. Um, where I just really started finding my own. And, uh, and then it was, it, there's something about it, which I was really able to open up and talk to people. Sure. It was almost like, because you're walking up to me, going to a table and serving, <laughs> some t- people act, and I, when I say that, I'm like, you know, no disrespect, because I'm the same customer. <laughs> I'm the same customer that I'm talking about. That... I don't necessarily turn to them and get talkative, right? Mm, as a customer mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and as a server, I always had that problem kind of connecting with the customer who's reading a menu or sure. talking to their other person. But when the person walks up to the bar, they're coming right at you to talk to you. Mm. And it really just like that kind of opened it up. But if you ever see me on the other side of the bar, I'm usually probably sitting in the corner. I'm not very <laughs> talkative and I'm just. I'm not the same person right. that I am behind the bar as I am on the other side. Right. And I laugh because I know like serving is a whole different animal besides bartending and like just the nature of it. But it's interesting to say like people coming up to you talk want to talk to you versus going to them and like getting a cold shoulder, right? And you when you see a bartender, you think like highly sociable, high energy, right? And was that more just like a catalyst for you to like be more talkative, like be more interactive? Yeah, I think it helped. I mean, I think if I was never a bartender, I would have never done things like even join our board and definitely Mm. never be interested in being the president or having any kind of leadership role. Mm. You know, um, everything from being able to talk to my staff and anything like that over the years, I think all stems from the years I had behind the bar. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, I still am not a great public speaker, even like even doing this with you, which I've known for so long. Like I had to listen to, you know, a couple of your podcasts last night, just kind of, yeah. I got to get into it. And we're just, just the two of us sitting in a room together, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. And it's, it's interesting because I, when I look at you or like I listen to you and it's like, dude, this guy's spoken on so many things before. This guy's been on so many shows. Um, or just, you just have that candor, right? And it's just become so natural to you. And you know, for me too, like hearing myself talk in the headset, it's really weird. Yeah. Gotta get used to that too. Um, I think it's interesting that, you know, you spend that time at the bar, um, but then it changes you for the best in like two ways that you didn't know that would happen, right? And hmm, the, the way like lives paths change. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Right. Without like the way they branch off without even, I guess like you can plan, you can plan as much as you want, but it's still going to change. And we're, we're like, we're something that, like, that's happened to you. Like, like even with COVID too, as much as you can plan, that branch is going to still going to change, even for the best if it ends sooner. Yeah, I think getting out of your comfort zone 
is yeah. always something that's important and it's really hard to do. And I think like, I think that, you know, spending, um, a year where people didn't leave their house, like you can't get out, you know? And I think that that's really, I think it's changed people a lot. You know, hopefully we start seeing people, you know, branch out and get out a little mm -hmm. bit more, but, um, people were really stuck in their comfort zone, I think for a year, year and a half. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, it's time to kind of start shedding that hopefully <laughs> right. as the numbers are down and, you know, you know, people get back out and travel, um, and see new people because I think that that's really been something that's kind of divided us. Yeah. So. Cause I feel like downtown Orlando has grown a lot in the past year and a half, just in the way the people have developed their businesses to like be more accommodating, be way more open to things happening and more events. Yeah. And the city has too. I mean, like, you know, they adjusted to allowing us to, you know, serve outside. Yeah. And now the whole thing's changed with being able to take to-go drinks. And, yeah, you know, yeah. it was kind of like one of those things where, Two years ago, if you'd have talked about that, they'd have been like, well, we don't want to be New Orleans. We don't want to be like, you know, this. And it's like, well, why would you think it's going to turn that way? You know, and then right. something happens to where they just adjust things a little bit to let the businesses and they realize, well, wait, everything wasn't crazy. Everything isn't that way. Right, right, right. You know, so, but yeah, there has been some adjustments and, and I think that they're positive and hopefully, you know, it stays on that track, you know, but uh, right. You know, the, all these parklets that people have been two years ago, they were talking, we couldn't lose a single parking spot downtown. It'll be the worst thing ever. <laughs> and then they take out all these parking spots and right. we're still getting by fine. Right. You know, they, yeah. they put in more of those bikes that the scooters. Right. <laughs> Plenty yeah. of scooters. Right. I think that's actually kind of yeah. cool, though. Man. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's sometimes it seems like a little dangerous when they're whipping around on the weekends. Oh, right. Yeah. Right. No, agreed. Yeah. Cool. It, you know, it's kind of like amateur hour and they don't like, yeah. have a, no, take their time on them. It, when you add nighttime and alcohol and a scooter and cars driving down the street. <laughs> right, <you> <laughs> right, exactly. The little bell's not going to save them. <laughs> yeah. Um, you mentioned before some anxieties you were having too, which understandably so, 100% agree. But how, how do you handle that now? Anxiety? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, anxiety's, it's only gotten, for me, it's only gotten worse as I got older. Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, opening businesses and having... Uh, me and your dad used to joke all the time because like we would have one place just slammed, but you can't even enjoy it because you look at the other place mm. and it wasn't as busy as you hoped. And right. it's, you know, it goes back to like the social media where if you have 10 good reviews and you have one bad review, all you concentrate is on right. that bad review. That's how we would do with business. It's like it's, as good as one would do, one was not maybe, even if it was still okay, it was like you couldn't get yeah. your head out of out of that. Um, and I think op between opening, funding, and w we were doing we were doing one a year there for a while. I mean, we were just getting open and already reviewing leases and something yeah. and another one. Um, I think that definitely damaged me a little bit, um, you know, because I didn't have and maybe it's the carefreeness of being young mm -hmm. that you you know you don't think you're ever going to die and you don't think you're ever going to be broke mm -hmm. and then as you start getting older it starts becoming a little bit more realistic mm -hmm. um but that's definitely affected my anxiety a lot mm -hmm. I, um you know i dealt with um some racing heart issues over the sure. years and then you know getting in the hospital for that yeah. and i definitely know that you know both of those times i was in were we were in the middle of opening a new location. So <laughs> opening this last one, I was nervous. I mean, cause it's the first yeah. thing I've done since the last time I was um, in the hospital. So yeah. 
Yeah. I just tried to, you know, really take it easy and be like, it's, it'll be open when it's open. Right. And, you know, I know my work ethic is there and I'm, you know, I can only do what I can do. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, ongoing. I mean, you know, and I'm not the only one. I have, you know, very close friends that aren't business owners that have crippling anxiety, you know, and talking to them, you know, I think helps, you know, both of us also, you know, kind of getting through it. Absolutely. Um, that is, um, I just had a really good buddy the other day. It was just, he, you know, and when you ask him too, the one thing about anxiety is you can say why and there, you can literally be sitting there thinking, I don't know. I'm healthy. You know, I'm, I can pay my bills. Right. And it's like, you're like, why am, what is going on with me right now that's making me feel this way? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important to, if someone else you know has a similar thing, to be able to just do anything to take their mind off of it, you know, and just talk them through because you'll sit there and almost be shaky mm-hmm. and, as soon as you cannot have that thing spin in your head right. over and over and over oh, yeah. again, um, is when you know you can start getting comfortable again. Yeah, yeah. I know. I got a lot of thoughts on that. You know, I also deal with that. Um, like, did I forget something? Am I missing something? Is always a thought. Um, I feel like I should be doing something else. Is always a thought for me. Um, I know my dad took medication to help him sleep for that reason, like the thought spinning constantly, mm-hmm. and. I we wanted to create the space, the male wellness collective, to bring bring a space that people are comfortable talking about these things, and because they are more common than we think, that we believe, and provide that provide the opportunity and the invitation to speak life into that, to share with others, to help others as well, because you saying this and someone's listening to this is going to resonate with that or may resonate with that, and have them, I guess take that as for their own and use that. So that's why I always ask that and like bring that up and talk about it because I feel like it's become like a social norm to like want to hide that. I know we talked about this earlier, like wanting to hide that and present yeah. like this masculine, like not like a facade, but like men don't have problems quote, right? Uh, men don't deal with anxiety. Men don't like deal with these X, Y, and Z. Right. But providing a space like, no, it's normal. Yeah, I mean, thing. I'm super comfortable talking about it now. Sure. I mean, I, there was a definite time, like, for a long time where I tried to hide it. And, um, you know, like, and again, that goes back to when I was saying that, you know, I used to try to, you know, dress up and wear button-down shirts. Sure. All that. that was, you know, it was all me trying to be something I wasn't. And, you know, that at that time, I would have never admitted to having, you know, mm-hmm. panic attacks or anxiety. But it's just, you know, it's who I am. And it's like, mm-hmm. it's like... Business is stressful, you know, yeah, life is stressful, <laughs> you know, so it's like, you know, we've all lost friends, we've all had, you know, mm-hmm. ups and downs financially. Um, and it, it's just, it's the ups and downs of life. And I think that in my, you know, 30s, I thought I only should be able to be going up, 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 mm-hmm. you know, like I could mm-hmm. sell something, but that just put more money in the bank and I was going to be able to then own more of the next business. And it just kept on going from there. Mm-hmm. And that's just not reality, you know. It's is right now. Right now, it's way more about like I'm a workaholic. I know that, mm-hmm. but I I do love to come to work. Like my buddy the other day was like, if you won the lottery, you would still show up here every day. I'm like, a hundred percent. What else am I gonna do? <laughs> right. You know, like the idea of even like retiring is is a non mm-hmm. it's a it's a non thought. Like I would 
you know, I think I'll just work until I die one sure. day. You know, yeah. I got to have something to do. Yeah. If nothing else, I would, you know, do charity work or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, I think that the idea that especially people that have, you know, and stress is something where I can't say because I'm a uh, entrepreneur or a business person that I have more stress than someone that is just, you know, like one of my bartenders sure. or doing anything. Um, uh, but it's something that really can like, it can ride you and it can over time, it, it can really start causing that anxiety to build oh, up. Yeah. And now like to me, if I have a staff member or someone comes to me, they don't have to say why it is or what it is. If, if, if it's, almost crippling which i have felt before yeah you need to take the day off it doesn't yeah. matter it's the same as being sick um you know it's you, you, the person is not healthy to be in an environment especially in the bar environment where something can even trigger them more mm -hmm. so do you think that i have heard like burnout or like anxiety attacks do you think that's on the person they handle or do you think that's also like an external thing that's happening too um, I think for me personally, it's usually more external. I mm -hmm. think I have like over the years, I always bottled things up and mm -hmm. kind of held them and like I needed to prove that nothing was wrong. And now I'm much more mm -hmm. comfortable. I think that's why this last opening was easier because, um, you know, the reality is the business is tough, you know, and there's a lot of competition out there. So um, I'm fairly competent in what I do now, but I also know that I haven't been a hundred percent, you know, um, I always tell if I have, you know, I'm talking to shareholders or investors, like, um, it's a risk, you know, yeah. the payoff can be much better than putting something in a CD or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, but in the, in the reality of it is, you know, I know what I'm doing. I'm confident in what I'm doing, mm -hmm. but I have made mistakes, you know? And mm -hmm. I think that anyone that's out there that you know is saying that they know exactly how to do all these things and is perfect at it um i would pretty much guess that you know if you could crawl in their head they're not quite that confident you right know, it, it could be that that like um unwarranted confidence too yeah which no sometimes can be a good thing for like goal setting and like yeah for ambition right but also like saying that you're you know what you're doing but like not gonna make a mistake inhuman Right. It's, right. Yeah. It's impossible. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, usually yeah. if, if, if I'm pitching you and like I have this new concept, I'm probably pretty passionate about it if I'm putting my money into it and getting yeah. involved in it. So I'm going to probably sound like this is like I'm 100%. Right. But, you know, it's it's not the reality of it, you know. Mm -hmm. so. And you, you mentioned also thinking, I guess in your 20s, thinking like in your 30s, you're just going to keep going up, right? How did how did that realizing that reality of it not always going up kind of collided with that previous kind of like preconception? Yeah, I mean that was again that was you know oh eight like you know I was thirty eight at that time and um, it was life changing. It was like uh, you know the I think the last big fall uh, in the economy was when I was kind of moving to Florida and I think that was like right around eighty nine ninety. But a reason why I can't even say those dates is because it didn't affect me. You mm -hmm. know, I'm 20 years old, moving to Florida, had nothing, you know. Right. I put my first month's rent on a credit card, you know. So it was like, you know, just hoping to get a serving job and get through. Right. So, like, I wasn't buying a house. I didn't have, I didn't have businesses. Yeah. You know, it didn't, like, it, it could have not even happened. So then, you know, you talk about a decade or more of almost two decades of time goes by where, 
I'm now an entrepreneur. I'm opening businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I had I'd already sold a business, um, you know, and working on selling a second one. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, like, this is my career. And then the economy crashes, and it's like, oh, wait. Right. <laughs> you right. know, there are other things that can happen that can really shift your life in a different right. direction. Right, exactly. Yeah. That was, I mean, that was a massive collide. That was a total game changer for me. Sure. As far as how I thought about business, how I um, handled myself and how I, you know, and and staffing. I mean, yeah. I remember going into the Beacon and telling them this is our last day. Mm. And How'd that feel? Yeah, it was, it was, I mean, there's a few times in my life, I've fired plenty of people, but mm-hmm. there's a few people that um, because of finances or something, when you let them go, it is, it's pretty low. It's pretty right. low. Without, without any like, I guess, a reason for it. They didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I saw you, you know, you snuck a $20 out of the till or mm-hmm. you walked out back with a, you know, a bunch of hamburger sure. or something like that. You're stealing from us. This is a, you know, I feel that I'm letting you down because mm-hmm. this business mm-hmm. isn't where I, you know, when I hired you, it isn't where it should be. Right. Those are the real tough ones. And, yeah. or, I mean, like we, we literally had to lock the door of the beacon and it was like, the whole staff guys, we went through a Sunday brunch and was like, this is our last shift. Right. You know, and I don't even think I was there for that. I don't think I could. Like, I think Jason yeah. Lambert ended up doing it. Yeah. yeah. Man, I remember, um, I vaguely remember that happening because I just wasn't there. Right. Um, but yeah, as an owner, right. You, you go forth and set like kind of like tip of the spear, like leading the charge. Right. And then you have to turn around and say, well, sorry guys. Yeah. This is as far as we're going to go. Um, and it's a team effort, but you mm-hmm. still feel like you fail them, hmm. you know? And and I, I'm sure I could, you know, if your dad was here right now, he'd probably say the same thing. I'm sure if I talk to Jason, mm-hmm. you know, each one of us individually, you know, what could we have done wrong? The Our chef at the time, amazing chef, uh, this guy, Laird Bowles, mm-hmm. um, I went out to San Francisco a few years later, and he was out there at a re- restaurant, and we went out for sushi one night. Um, with him, my wife, and his girlfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. And he even shared something about, like, thought he let us down. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I, it was, it totally took me by surprise. Yeah. And I felt like, oh man, if this guy ever thought that, and I'm thinking this whole time, we didn't provide you with the restaurant right. for you to shine. And in the meantime, he's leaving thinking that. If it was maybe his food or something that didn't make the restaurant work, so mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of a lot of elements to the business, and you know, sure. um, when it's successful, it's really easy. Again, it's like reading all those good reviews. You kind of like, yeah, it's great, and you push it aside. But when mm-hmm. it's not, it really sticks right. with you. Yeah. How yeah. did that expect ex- like have that change your expectations on transparency with your with your team? Well, there's there's a tricky part to that because um, like when we sold Frosties, um, you know, I tr- I I've always I'm per- like with our Stardust crew, there's such longtime um, staff members, and and you know I can pretty much say all of them are really close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, that it's a little different, but when you have when you're going through like say a sale, a sale doesn't happen until the signatures are signed. Mm-hmm. So when staff can get a little upset if you're talking about the fact of, number one, if you say you're going to sell 
and it falls through, things can really go sour with staff fast. Number mm-hmm. one, they know you want out or something and that you don't care about the uh, business or yeah. something. Um, and then, so you try to keep that as much of a secret as possible, but you also don't want them to think you're hiding things from them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, when we, that deal almost died, you know, a day before it happened. So, you know, it's just like selling a, a car. Like mm-hmm. you go meet someone, but they see it's scratched on the side. You're driving your car back home again, you know? Right, right. So the same thing goes with the business. So you can't, there, there's not a whole lot you can do until it's signed. And then when it's signed, it's done, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So um, it's the transparency thing with staff is like, I try to be as op- much of as open book as I can outside of, affecting how the business is going to be operated mm. or or handled right right i'm sure it's changed over the years too um and i'm sure like jason's gone through the same thing with what hammerland yeah hammerland yeah oh my gosh i i want to bring him on here because yeah he'd probably love to do that yeah, yeah man i am um, kind of like constantly looking for new people to bring on and get their experiences did you have him come on and then have both of us come on and like fight about what actually <laughs> happened in the past <laughs> like compare compare yeah. notes right exactly. no i um I, you know, I want to be able to do that because we now we have four microphones here, guys. So that's, uh, that's the goal. Yeah, that'd be um, cool. Next, I mean, we're here almost at 50 minutes, man. I know, yeah, I know you're a busy man. You gotta yeah, get out of here. Cool, that went by fast. Right? So next goal is want to get cameras in here. I know you mentioned that before. <laughs> of like, what? well, I can't see your face, right? Um, but yeah, guys, Todd Ulmer, serial entrepreneur, also board, uh, what is it, chairman? Uh, the president. President. Yeah. Of Thorn Park. Yeah. For now. For now. For <laughs> we'll now. see, we'll right. see how that goes. <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you for that. Thanks uh, for thanks joining for having us. Me. Yeah. Uh, guys, how actually, wait, Todd, how can we find you on social? Um, me personally, I'm not really that yeah. much on social. Um, uh, but you can find Stardust Lounge at Stardust Orlando on Instagram and on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, Aku Aku Tiki. Okay. If, you, if you dig Tiki, We've got the tiki bar for you. We're getting ready to launch our latest mug in December. Um, and then the 808 is uh, the808orlando.com or the808orlando at uh, on Instagram. Very cool. And you guys know you're listening on YouTube, so you already know it's backbone, backbone underscore broadcast, also on Instagram. Also donate. We have a new donate link in our description as well, so feel free to join the cause, and we'll get to uh, see our beautiful faces here with our new cameras soon that's the plan so guys until next time show your backbone